Welcome to Earl Thomas Podcast. Today we're going to talk about how to find some deals for you that are freeways or really inexpensive ways to find deals with a little bit of creativity, a little bit of effort, some time spent on it. Um, before, before we get into that, it's important that everyone realizes that for about the first month or two that you get into this business, you really need to focus on building buyer relationships. So you're not just going out there finding a deal and then all of a sudden going, hey, what do I do with it now? Where do I sell it? Who do I sell it to? Those kind of things. Because if you got to have basically the bread, the, the peanut butter and the jelly, you know, to make a sandwich. So if you're going out there and you're finding these deals, but you don't have anywhere to put it, it's not going to benefit you. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but that's what needs to happen. In order to make money, you have to have the complete sandwich. So <clears throat> you're looking really for the PB&J in total, not just the jelly, because a PB&J just doesn't taste right when it's only jelly. So when you go out, your first little while that you're, that you're trying to get into this business, go back to to the episode where we were talking about finding the buyers and build those relationships in those ways so that when you do come across a deal, you have a place to put it and you can you can make money on it. Because if you're just going out there spending all your time, your effort, your money finding deals, but you can't get them sold, you're not gonna you're not gonna be profitable. So with that, let's uh let's talk about some ways to uh to find some deals. Um like I said, that are, that are free or, or really inexpensive as long as you're willing to put in the effort and the time to, uh, to do them. So one way that, that you can find deals is you, you're still going to these, these REI meetings. We talked about that in the last episode, finding the buyers. But what a lot of people don't realize is, is when you're getting into the business, when you have the relationships with these buyers, you almost become the, the, a buyer yourself. So when all these other people that are just getting in the business, things like that, they have these deals, but they don't have anywhere to, to put them. But you make a relationship with them and they go, you know, hey, they're new too. So let me JV with them. A little bit of money is better than none. Or you're going out there and you've got, you know, somebody that's seasoned and they may like you. They may decide they just want to help you and see what you can do, give you their give you their deals just to see if you can get them sold with you to try to test you in that way to build a relationship with you. If that's the case, do it because you're not going to get in this business in the very beginning and make a lot of money. You might get lucky and get a couple of deals in your first couple of months. In a lot of respects, that's the worst thing that can happen to you because you start expecting that. Then you wind up going, I've got $5,000 you know, for a marketing budget. What do I do with it? You put that in the bank for a rainy day because you're still not to that level of having a full understanding of what you need to be doing to make your business successful. So you still need to be utilizing these free methods to be able to build your capital up and then you go out and you start using your marketing dollars of what you've made because you're almost crawling before you walk. So when you go out and you get a deal your first first month or two, 
neg- the, the instinct is, is, okay, well, let me go and buy some bandit signs or let me run some Google ads or Facebook ads, some, send a mailer out. That, that's great and wonderful, but what if those things don't give you a return? Now you're right back to where you were in the very beginning with no money, so you still have to go back to the freeway. So going to these REI meetings is a good way to build relationships with buyers because they already have properties. But buyers also are sellers. So you're in essence doubling up what you're, what you're doing with this buyer. So if they, if they decide and to give you their, their deals and you get some sold, well, guess what? Hey, Mr. Buyer, I've got a deal. Would you like to buy it? They're more inclined to buy it from you because now you're sitting there and you're in a, you're a potential exit for them when they get that property stabilized, renovated, you know, whatever it may be. <clears throat> so you're coming in and basically double dipping on them because let them buy it, let them get it, get it stabilized, renovated, whatever. And then they're coming back to you and saying, hey, you think you can sell this for me? So now you made money selling it to them and you made money selling it for them. So that's actually a really good way to to work the free aspect of it, to find deals, but you're also maximizing your money because you're in some ways you'll be able to make money twice on a on a single deal or a single relationship. Another way <clears throat> is to find just driving around, you'll see these bandit signs up that say we buy houses you know a lot of people call those um but what a lot of people don't do is if if you're an actual wholesaler it's not it's not a bad idea to call these signs because sometimes these these wholesalers get out there and they'll have these deals but they can't they don't have anywhere to put them they may have already you know sent them to everybody they know they didn't want them, so then they turned around and, and email blasted them out. They couldn't find anybody to, to buy them. So they still need a way to get it sold. But if you build that relationship with, with the other wholesalers, you know, that are putting bandit signs up, these may be the wholesalers that don't go to the REI meetings. So now all you really did is make a couple phone calls, build a relationship, kind of try to JV on something. If you get lucky, that's great. But in the future, you're going to, you know, if they can't get something sold, they're going to give you a phone call because they're going to sit there and think, I need to make, I need to sell this. I need to make some money. So I'll, you know, split the, split the profit with whoever can get it sold. Well, now you're on that list. I'm not saying do this, you know, once you become established, because a lot of times you get involved in a daisy chain, those kind of things, and that can hurt your your reputation if you can't actually deliver on what you're saying. But when you're getting into the business, if you ask the right questions with these wholesalers, make sure they have the the deal under control. They're the ones that have the contract. It's not, you know, three other people down the road that's got the contract and they don't really know what's going on with the property then you should be fine. One easy way to tell whether or not somebody's got control of the property is ask to see it. If it's going to take them a week for, for you to see it, nine times out of ten, it's not their deal. They're trying to help somebody else, but they're representing it as it is their deal. So if they can get you out there and 
48, 72 hours, a lot of times it, they're directly with that seller. So they can, they don't have to wait on someone else to be able to get you into that property. You never send a deal out that you haven't put your own eyes on if it's in your market. Now, if you're virtual, that's a different story, but representing a property in the right way to a potential buyer is key. So make sure if you JV with, with any, any of these people, whether you're calling the bandit signs or going to the REI meetings, make sure you're putting your own eyes on it, sending your own pictures to your, to your buyers so that they know you have a, a vested interest in this because it was you were actually at that property. One thing that I always do is I'll always include like the, the corner of my trunk or the corner of my hood in a, in a street view of, of the property. So when a, when a buyer might think I hadn't been out there, all they've got to do is go and look at the pictures and you're going to see my vehicle in the, in the pictures. So that proves to them that I actually went out there, took the time to go and see this property that I'm trying to sell them instead of just, you know, taking somebody's word for it that, hey, there's only $20,000 worth of repairs done on it. But then when that buyer goes over there and looks at it, it turns into $40,000 worth of repairs. It's not going to get you very far in this business. Um, another way that you can that you can find these these sellers is to post in, in groups on Facebook. I don't really think it's a good idea to sit there and, you know, post pictures. We buy houses, you know, like your bandit sign would look. It's a it's a better a better way and your and your admins are more likely to leave your post up. If you just go on there in some ways and say, I'm looking to buy a house in, you know, this city or this area. If you know of any um, that are for sale by owner, you know, please send me a message or, you know, give me the, uh, the address in the comments or, you know, reply in the comments, something like that. If you keep it more under the radar, like you're not just out there, hey, we buy houses, like I said, you're, you're more likely to get more people coming towards you versus getting your post removed, you getting banned from the group, things like that, because you're doing unsolicited advertising in these groups. And a lot of admins are not going to want that. So like I said, I would just go in there and say, hey, I'm looking to buy a house in such and such area. If you if you know of any, you know, please feel free to message me. If you want to put your phone number on there and tell somebody to call or text you, you know, that's not a bad idea either, because now you at least have a a way that you can follow up with someone instead of just constantly harassing them on Messenger. Um, but that's the Facebook groups is a, is a good place to find them. You've also got the Facebook marketplace. You're probably going to find a lot of wholesalers on, on the marketplace. Um, sometimes you'll actually find for sale by owner, but it's also another, another way to where you can build relationships with other professionals in your, in your area. So you can kind of attach yourself to some deals if, uh, if they're willing to work for you and you can build that relationship. But, you know, you, you always have to be careful of the information you're getting, the representations that are being made. Because if, again, if, if someone doesn't have control of that deal and you've got somebody on the line that wants to buy it or go look at it, it's going to make you look bad. And then that's, you know, in turn going to have these, these investors that, 
will stop wasting time with you because that's really all they're doing. You send them a deal, but you can't deliver on it. So, you know, your your reputation and their trust in you starts to diminish. So you can't actually maximize that relationship with a uh, with a buyer. Another way, this this does cost a little bit of money, if, but it's it's really gas money, is that you can drive around. I know a lot of people say this drive for dollar app, things like that. That is one way. Um, but what you can do is you can drive around. You can find these houses that, you know, looks like somebody hadn't cut the grass or there's boards on the windows. There, there's something going on with that house that doesn't make you think that it's being well maintained. So when you're driving around, you know, you're, if you're looking at a mailbox number, you know where they're at. So you just write down that address, right? You know, and I would always tell you to take a picture of it. So whenever you get back, you're going to your courthouse records. They're all online. So you're going to your courthouse records that's this free. And then you find out the mailing address and the owner's name just based on the courthouse records. Well, that picture you took, you open up Microsoft Word and then you've got a, a letter you know, already pre, pre-written. So all you're doing is typing in the address and putting a, uh, that picture that you took in that letter. Now I wouldn't, Hey, we're, we're ready to buy houses fast. All those other things. Some, if you're going to send a letter and put a real stamp on it, I would probably say, send that, send that letter in a, in a similar context of what you did in the Facebook groups. I was driving around the other day. I saw this house and I've been looking for a house in this area to buy. Would you be interested in selling? If so, you know, please give me a call. I'd love to to speak with you about it. Leave it at that. Don't don't come off all used car salesmen in these type letters. You'll have more you'll have better results if you if you approach it in that way. Um, cuz everyone else is sending the postcards that sound like a used car salesman. So when they get something that resembles a professional with, you know, maybe company letterhead, something like that on there, address, phone number, please give me a call. I'd, I'd like to discuss it with you. They don't have anything to lose, you know, by calling you now. Um, so that's one way if you, if you can do, you know, gas and a stamp, it's, it's really easy. Um, another way, Zillow, this is this is an avenue that you know a lot of people currently work, so your results may or may not be that good on that. A lot of it a lot of it depends on your approach to it, how you relate to someone that you get on the phone. But Zillow will give you the phone number of who you need to get in contact with, so you don't really have to do that much work. And you already have an asking price sitting in front of you, so you can kind of tell, you know, is this is this doable, or am I going to have to really work to get them down off of their price? One thing that I always look at when I'm looking at Zillow is how long has it been there? Because if it hadn't been there very long, they're not likely to drop the price a lot just to give you the deal. But if it's been on there for a little while, six months or more, They've had enough people come through by this time to say, I'll give you $80,000 for your $150,000 house. They can't get the offer that they're wanting 
so they start to get defeated in their own mind because they think to themselves, well, I, I was positive my house was $150,000, but all I really seem to be getting is eighty dollars to $100,000. Well, when you take when you take that into account with a with a seller, then you're sitting there. You're not necessarily going in as a used car salesman again. You want to build that relationship, be easy with them, let them, you know, kind of come to you, so to speak, because they've already had enough people beat up on them with these low offers in their own mind. But what they're offering may actually be the right offer, but in their mind, it's a low offer. So when you go in after all this time and, and people have beat them down enough, what you need to be doing is, you know, Mr. Seller, I feel your pain. I know where you're at. You know, a lot of people are coming out here, you know, giving you an eighty dollars to $100,000 offer. The reason is, is because it needs this work or this is going on in the market, you know, things like that. I'd love to be able to give you more, but I've got to be able to keep the doors open to my business so I can't pay over what something's worth. So if you've got a $150,000 house, you know, fixed, I've got to be able to make a little money on it. I don't have to get rich on your property, but I've got to be able to make money on it so that I can keep my doors open of the business. When you come at a, at a seller in that way, they're going to relax their guard and start to, to kind of trust you. And then it'll surprise you the amount of deals that you wind up getting you know, with that, because everyone else is coming there, treated them like a number. Well, I can give you this. Here's 24 hours. You know, let me know. Treat someone like a person and you'll have better results. Another another way is it's it's bordering on the on the ethical line. And there is another one, you know, that'll come after this that borders on the ethical line as well. But if you get online every day, make a list, read obituaries, do not send a letter two days after someone has passed. That is very poor taste. Make a note of it, make the date, things like that, and then say two weeks to a month after, send that same letter that you sent to someone when you were driving around. I've been looking for a, you know, a house in this area. I was online the other day reading that, you know, such and such have, has passed. I, I, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, is it a possibility that you will be selling, you know, the house? But bef before you can send that letter, you need to go to the courthouse to find out, did they actually own a house? So when you're going to that, that courthouse, now you've got the, the address of where they are. But the advantage of this is, is when you're reading an obituary, you get the people that you need to address because it's gonna tell you they are survived by wife, children, who, grandchildren, whoever may be next in line that's gonna make the decision. So now you have an idea of who you need to be talking to. So instead of um, writing it as heirs of, you know, John Smith, now you can, you know, write to Tammy Smith. Because when you know Tammy Smith, 
you can also go in, you know, fast people search, white pages, those kind of things, and you'll be able to see who was related to this person and it'll give you some kind of address. So now you can go in and you can send a letter directly to Tammy. Now, if you have to send a letter to Tammy, to Don, you know, the, the people that are, that are listed in there, that's fine because it might've cost you three or $4, maybe five to send out a couple of different letters that went directly to that person that they, that survived whoever has passed. So when you're sending that letter, you basically say, if you are the one that's gonna be in charge of the estate, you know, I know it's gonna take a little while to get your affairs in order and things like that. But, you know, if you do happen to, to sell the house, like I said, I'm, I'm looking to buy a house in the area. So please consider me and, and get in touch when you do. Let that go for a month or two, send them another letter. I, you know, I haven't heard from you. I'm still interested in buying a house in the area. If, uh, if, you're, if you're interested in selling, if you're not interested in selling, please call or text me and let me know. And I will, and I will stop communication with you, stop sending you letters, because I know this is a difficult time for you. If you do that, a lot of times you'll wind up getting surprise deals that you weren't even expecting. Um, the other ethical way is a lot of wholesalers are running ads on Facebook now. So I'm not saying in any ways to contact people that are commenting on these ads. If you see a comment that says, you know, hey, they were great, enjoyed working with them, leave that person alone. But when you see a comment that says, yeah, you're only gonna give me 30 cents on a dollar for my house, you know, you're a scoundrel or vulture or whatever you wanna call it, okay? That's the one that we need to, to get in touch with because they've already had a bad experience with whoever this is and that's just low hanging fruit. So if, you know, if you're sitting there in your area, you know, and say a national chain, we know who they are, they're, they're running ads in every market so if you sit there and see these negative comments, send that person a message and, you know, I saw your comment on such and such buys houses. We offer, you know, fair prices. We're not, you know, like them as far as 30 cents on a dollar, things like that. You'll get surprise deals that way because people do actually want to sell their house. They've interacted with this company and didn't have a good experience. So now they're looking for someone to have a good experience with. So I'll leave that up to you as whether you want to do it that way. But when you see these ads and you see these people making negative comments on those ads, that business has already lost that, that homeowner's business because of the experience they had. So blame it on the business, blame it on the homeowner. There might've been a misunderstanding. Regardless, it's there and they're ready to sell something, they're mad, they want somebody to treat them like a person, so you step in and treat them like a person and see if you can't get that deal. Another, another place that you can go, um, and a lot of people do go to these, but if you go to estate sales, you can sometimes find, find deals this way a lot of people miss these deals because they show up, here's my business card, ready to, ready to buy it. 
these people are letting go of years worth of sentimental memories. So when you go in there, hey, we buy houses, you know, give me a call. Can I have your phone number, email address, and let me buy your house from you? I'll give you, you know, $15,000 for a $100,000 house. More than likely, they're going to kick you right off the property. So what I always do when I go to these is I go in, I, you know, I talk to them, and I just have a normal conversation, you know, with them, act like I'm interested in something, you know, that's there, see if I can't negotiate with them on that item, because in some ways I'm practicing. I'm learning how they negotiate. They're learning how I negotiate, but they don't realize it. So let's say that there's a recliner there, and they want $200 for it. I sit there and I tell them, you know what, I'd really like to have it, but I don't have a big enough car to get it, so I have to rent a truck to be able to do it, which is going to cost me money. So would you sell it to me for $50? And more than likely, they're going to say no. But in the event they do say yes, then now you need to spend the $50 and you need to go get it and you know come back with it. But that right there offered you some clues as how they're going to negotiate with that house. Because if they were willing to come off 150 for that recliner and they understood the fact that you're gonna to have to rent a truck and it's gonna cost you more money now to be able to, to purchase this, well now that $50 plus the rental of the truck correlates to buying the house, doing renovations. So now you realize that they understand how things financially work into a decision. So, you know, as you're having this conversation, you know, it could come up with, hey, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm an investor. You know, I, I buy houses around the area, things like that. Um, if you were interested in, you know, possibly selling it to me once you open the probate, you know, things like that. You know, I'd be glad to look at it then. Um, hand them your card, you know, or say, I've got a card in the car, let me go grab it for you. Um, and then when you do that, you say, would you mind, you know, if I got your, your name and phone number and gave you a call in, you know, a month or two to, to see, just to remind you in case you lose my card, uh, to see if you're ready to, to sell then. And I'll be glad to come back out here then and, and look at it once everything is, it's kind of cleaned out when we get a better idea of, of what we're working with and you've had a little time to, to process the passing of, you know, your father, your brother, your mom, whoever it may be, you're, you're not as emotionally attached anymore because you, you've gone through the house now, you've had the estate sale, you've taken what you wanted to your house, everybody's divided things up. We, we've processed our loss now, so now it's time to move on. That's when you go back and get the deal. You do not get the deal showing up, hey, I'm an investor, here's my card, call me if you want to sell the house. You're, you're, you're just being a used car salesman, and when somebody's dealing with the emotional loss of someone passing that they loved, they're probably just going to run you out and never call you again, so you're, you're just wasting your time. There's, a, there's a, a way to approach these things that will get you the deals, and there's a way to approach these things that will get you kicked out of somebody's house. Um, 
Another place that, that you can go is similar to an estate sale. It's a yard sale. A lot of people don't realize, people may not actually be ready to sell a house having a garage sale, but they're decluttering. So a lot of times when people are having garage sales, it's, it's getting the clutter out and then all of a sudden, okay, well, let's figure out if we just want to sell it directly to somebody. Let's figure out if we want to put it on the market, you know, fix some things, do those, do those kind of things. So you take the same approach going to a garage sale that you do going to an estate sale. The only difference is, is they're decluttering. They're not going through the emotional loss of someone they love passing but you still take the same approach. You know, hey, I'm looking at this recliner, blah, blah. I gotta get a truck. Hey, are, you know, are you, were you thinking about selling? Is that why you're having a garage sale? And see what they say. Well, I'm a, you know, I'm a, a local investor here and I've, you know, I've been looking for a house over in this area, but uh, I just go to garage sales on Saturday just for the fun of it, because I work hard all week. Um, but here's my card, you know, would you mind giving me your, your phone number and, you know, say in a couple of weeks, I'll give you a phone call to see if, you know, you, you've talked to your husband or you've talked to your wife to figure out if you want to list it, you know, with an agent or if you just want to sell it directly and be done with it without all the, the showings and things like that. You'll have a lot of people that, that will sell you their house doing it and with that approach. Um, and there are all these ways that I've that I've gone over. There there are more ways, you know, to find houses that are a free way, so to speak, or very inexpensive way to find houses. But what it really comes down to is your approach, how you approach, you know, the the buyers at the REI meetings, the wholesalers at the REI meetings, what you do when you call their bandit signs, how you treat some a seller when you're in front of them. Do you do you show them empathy of what they're going through or are you going in there and being a used car salesman? The, that's the difference of of getting the, the good deal versus just getting a deal. Because when someone is relating to you, they begin to like you, they're more inclined to help you because you're helping them. When you're going in there as a used car salesman, they're looking at you like, he doesn't care about me. He's just going to give me this money and throw me out. But if you take like my last deal that I did, I actually had a lady bring money to the, to the closing table because I was trying to help her tenant. I was trying to help her. We related. We had a, enough conversations over the, over the time. I wound up, you know, finding out that she had gone to my grandparents' gas station over the years because she grew up you know, basically a mile from my grandparents' gas station. When you make those kind of a kind of relationship builders, people will give you a better deal. Now, I didn't rip this lady off, and I didn't make a lot of money because I felt bad for her that she had to bring money to the closing table. But I was still able to get the deal, and even though she had to bring some money to the closing table, she no longer has the stress, the headache, those kind of things associated with that, with this house because she's out of, out of state and it's hard for her to manage it now because she's getting to the point where she's ready to retire and she doesn't want it in her life. So when you relate to people, they're more inclined to help you because you're helping them. They feel like 
you've built a relationship with them so it's it's easier to get those deals with that i'm gonna draw it to a close um i hope you've uh, enjoyed this but remember to go back and listen to the how to find sellers episode because when you put that episode with this episode it should give you enough to get started in this business as far as the relationship building aspect of it and how to find you know both sides of it because you're going to need the the sellers and you're going to need the buyers to be able to complete you know the peanut butter and jelly sandwich so you can make money but just remember do not get your deal closed and go i've got five thousand dollars to market in another month you're going to be right back to where you were and you're going to ask yourself why am i here make the grind for the first six months to a year in this business to learn how to hunt to find things and you will be more successful because when you do get to the point to where you start outsourcing and you can and you can't necessarily just bootstrap your business now you know enough about what the people that you're going to be that are going to be working under you need to know that you're going to be able to guide them in the right direction and, and then you're going to be able to grow your business because every good boss knows how to do every single job in that company so if you're just sitting there throwing things against the wall to see if they stick you're not going to have a foundation to be able to explain to someone down the road this is why I want you doing this. And it's not going to help your business in the long run. So I hope you've, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'll, uh, we'll be back next week with a, uh, with a different topic to, uh, to help you grow your, your business. If you, have, you know, if you want to learn more about how to grow the business, the business aspects of it, you can visit earltimes.com. Until next week, thanks again for listening.